this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is your Bomb Wednesday service. I am, as always, your senior pastor, Naima Cochran. I have with me today, as usual, our director of HEPS, not HELP, HEPS Ministry, uh, Mr. Karin Phillips. I'm going to let Karin say hello, and then he's got to go get his food from um, Uber Eats. Yeah, my Jason Deli uh, sandwich is on the way. Ah, I got to get that uh, corned beef. Uh, <laughs> the New York sandwich. That shit okay. Fire. That shit fire. And then we also have a special guest with us today who both Karen and I know, um, a mutual friend. I've been looking for a time to bring her on the show, Kia Smith. Kia, I'll let you introduce yourself. I know I told you to send me your bio, but I'm being lazy. So I want you to, because how I'm going to introduce you versus how you might want to be introduced might be two different things. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the autonomy to tell the people about yourself. Okay. So I am Kia, known online as Kia Speaks. And, um... I call myself like an agitator. I like to agitate situations, but for the good. So I push boundaries to uh, force people to think about like culture and um, the types of communities and society we are creating, creating and how well they work for all people, specifically the most marginalized. 
Right. Which is what I appreciate about you. Um, our relationship started, and this will be relevant later. Our relationship started because I knew that you were in seminary. And um, even though we were already Twitter friends, I hit you one day and you told me to give you a call because I had questions about what your life in seminary looked like because you, like I saw myself in you, like a, like a normal woman out here in these, in these streets. Well, y'all had um, a whole ass Nettie and Seeley <laughs> on the internet? A little bit because um, the reality is, this is a long conversation than, than to get on the show. The reality is that I've had a tug to go to seminary for a very long time and I've just been ignoring it. So I have two. So Kia is the second person I know in real life who I feel like kind of moved like I moved and, and engages with the world the way I do, who is in seminary. So I had to have a conversation with her about that. So I asked you here today, if y'all, if y'all are watching us, Karin just love to go get his food. So I, um, I invited you here with us today because one of the things we're going to talk about a little later on, um, one of the ways in which you agitate and force people to think is in adjusting their view about, um, and about Christianity and what it looks like and what it means and what it means in terms of how you engage with the world. And I think this has been a really challenging year for both the agnostic, the faithful, the progressive, the whatever you want to call it in terms of what we look to, what we hold on to Mm. and what that means. And I kind of wanted to talk to you about that a little bit, but we'll get there. But while Karin is downstairs, I got to take care of some housekeeping real quick. A little bit of business. Uh, you guys already know the drill. You're here with us today, which we really appreciate. But Count the Dings has a wide array of programming for uh, your viewing pleasure about just about anything that could fit into your particular wheelhouse. Um, on the bomb side, we have the Crazy Sexy Cool Ladies on Monday. And Karin will be with them in... Three weeks? Three weeks. Three weeks. Um, We'll be guessing with them in three weeks. We have the OG Bomb Squad on Tuesday. You have us on Wednesday. You have Waz and Nando um, breaking down the more hard-hitting topics with Woke Bros on Thursday. And you have Trey with Growing Up the Same on Friday. And I also want to point out that if you are listening to us, please go to YouTube, find Count the Dings, Find us to watch because we have video of all our shows every week as well as audio, like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Okay. Now, Kia, we're going to wait. Karin's going to be back in a minute. But while we're waiting for Karin to come back, um, did you watch Soul Train Awards? I did. Okay. I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. So can you please give me what were your thoughts? Do you know what? It was very well produced. I actually walked away and was like, why don't the BET Awards look like this? People said the same about the BET Awards this year, though, because everything was pre-taped. Yes. Maybe we need to start incorporating more pre-taped elements into their live elements. Yeah. You know what? And I didn't get to really unpack how much of the Soul Train Awards was pre-taped because it Mm -hmm. came off as like a live show, but that could be like a huge part of the difference. But Mm -hmm. uh, it was refreshing to hear some good R&B and to see, like, my mama and daddy's favorites on television and sing along. I've actually loved that the beat, that the um, Soul Train Awards has kind of come back to um, a level of prominence in the last few years because we almost lost it. Like, we almost lost that show, um, us being the culture. 
And and even though Centrix had it for a really long time, it's only, I feel, and even though it's been a ratings leader for them for a really long time, I feel like it's only been in the past few years that it's come into like the Twitter feed and, and everybody actually watching and live tweeting. And I'm firmly out of the BET Awards demo. Like I'm all the way out of the BET Awards demo. So I get really happy. It's also a fun, it's just a fun show to me. I've always found it a really fun show. And if you, God willing, whenever we get out of this, if it ever comes back live, it's a fun show to go to live as well. It's a good have we Have we totally aged out of the BET Awards? or have it I just have. Been... You may not have. I have. No, I have. no I'm, I'm just saying like, this is the only award show where I remember the first one. Right. Mm. Like the yeah. very, very first one. And the BC Awards is what almost killed the Soul Train Awards, actually. Because, no. yeah. And yeah, the very first one was in 2000. I remember it, too. And it was like on a Monday or something. It wasn't over the weekend. Because I remember watching it at the office. Because um, we, like, we, we lost the Soul Remember the Vibe Awards? I remember the Vibe Awards. <laughs> The Lady of Soul. So there used to be the Vibe Awards, the, the Lady, Lady of Soul, Soul Awards. There was the Source Awards. Um, there was the Ozone Awards for a hot second, but I don't think it was televised. But Soul Train was the first. Because <clears throat> at that time, even the Image Awards weren't being broadcast. So Soul Train was the first Black award show that was a telecast. And, um, and BET basically came as a younger, better produced version of that and had a home, right? Whereas Soul Train was syndicated and uh, like basically almost not, I think we had, like actually they moved locations a couple of times. They moved dates and timing a couple of times. And then I want to say there was one year where it wasn't on air at all. Um, what what happened to the, when did the Stella Awards start? Cause they've been around for a good minute too. They've been around for a long time, but they didn't start broadly. You gotta be kind of churchy for that though. To be about the Stella Awards. Yes. I remember when they started. I like, you know, when Candy Staten was winning them shit right. back in the day. They oh, were Williams and shit. They weren't televised. Even now, I never know when the Stellars comes on. Like, it'd be on I some random Nona Clayton. It'd be so random with the Stellars. But I do think with BT, what's important about Soul Train is that it leaves room for the BT Awards to not try to be every damn thing. Like, the BT Awards got to be, they want your mama to watch, they want your grandma. So, like, they got to give you a gospel moment. They got to give you a humanitarian moment. They got to give you a social justice moment. They the got to give you a old school moment. moment. Like, they got to, like, and I mean, they have the Hip Hop Awards, which is very niche. But I feel like they can let Soul Train do some of that older lifting and just be what it's going to be. But that's what I appreciate about Soul Train is that it can just be what it is. But I remember the Hip Hop Awards and how it first started. And I remember like Jay and like Jermaine Dupree and Nelly and all them was at the first one. And then the Hip Hop Awards turned into the thing where Atlanta residents hated that weekend. Because yeah, it would be like, oh, it's Hip Hop Awards weekend? I'm not going outside. Yeah, right. It, it was, oh, my God. Like, nobody was, went outside that weekend. It like on Classic Weekend, right? When they no, do it, it would be, it would always be in October, wedged between Spellhouses or Clark's Homecoming and something else. But it was just always, like, it, it always wound up having its own weekend. But it was just like, Ah, uh, we got to deal with this. I get that. Ah, uh, I'm going to be at the crib. Yeah. When I 
When awards weekend is in your city, it's never fun for you if you live in a city, just for the but people who come. When out. it first came, it was, and then something happened. And were you here in 2002 when uh, NBA All Star Weekend was in Atlanta? Oh, oh three. Oh three. Yes. All Star Game of all time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they like shut down the mall, it's a lot when people come to your city. From it's a lot. Of- yeah. Um. The- they shut down two malls. No, three. And it was an ice storm. Wow. They yeah. shut down Lennox at three, Phipps at like 4.30, and Perimeter that evening. Like, it was ridiculous. Nightmares. Nobody Night- cell phone worked the whole weekend. Of course not. Of course not. Because in 2003, everybody, everybody next sales. Yeah, my next sales <laughs> didn't work right. all weekend. I couldn't chirp nobody. Like, everybody, Everybody had everybody had a provider that don't work once more than twenty people in the same place. Um, but okay, so Kia gave us while you were getting your food. I asked Kia since I haven't watched the awards yet to give us her, give us her quick review on it. I gotta go back and watch it and watch. All right, um, I just finished it today. And watch the pre-show that they did the the role the Soul Coming or whatever that was. I want to watch that um, as well. But no, I appreciate the Soul Train Awards and I'm and I'm happy that. People are are giving it love, and that the and that BET networks are giving it like proper love as well. It's it's time, you know, and we're coming into this nostalgia period. Like it's is is good for them, and it's good for the culture that we have it. Um, but what I wanted, well, first of all, I want everybody to know who's watching. I have on my pajamas. Um, I just wanted to I just wanted to put that out there because I was I wondering have, why your collarbone went out this week. Yeah, so these are my pajamas. They're very comfortable, though. Um, I leave town tomorrow for three weeks. I have done nothing to prepare to leave town tomorrow for three weeks. Like, I've done stuff in my house. Like, oh, I need to clean this, move this, but I haven't packed anything. I haven't. I got. I still got to find somebody to water my plants. I'm still finishing up Nobody work. Nobody cleans a house better than Black people right before they go out of town. No, yeah. I hate coming home. <laughs> to a messy house it is the worst feeling in the world one of my friends didn't understand it. they were like why you always clean up before you leave and i'm and they're like somebody gonna say it's the house? cultural because it's, like, it's cultural coming home to a messy house i hate it like coming home to a clean house clean sheets all i do is drop my bags and it's whatever yeah. best feeling best feeling so yeah i was doing all that and when you go on for a long time you really want to come back to your house being like all that but um yeah anyway so yes i'm in my pajamas i just wanted to put that out there uh, but I wanted to, um, I wanted to get into, this wasn't even on our list until a couple hours ago. There is a, um, a very spirited conversation happening on the black interwebs right now. I don't because, even understand why it's spirited. I feel like you just be on one side of this conversation. That's how I feel, but apparently, whatever. Um, so there is a restaurant in, is it in Dallas? Yes called True Kitchen. True Kitchen and Cocktails. Cocktails spelled with a K. Which lets you know the demographic <laughs> right huh? there. That's a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. And and it's Cocktails spelled with a K and their logo is like this multicolored um, cock, you know, like um, a rooster. Um, and like a game cock, like a game cock, because yeah. I thought you were going somewhere different with no. that. And I was like, I hadn't checked out the logo, but no, I'm a, a trust uh, you. Like a game cock. Um, 
Which, because I'm a Gamecock, I always forget the actual. I know. Uh, like, shout out to, to like, your alma mater. Cox. Um, so, which is like the most. Wait, wait, do it again. Do it again. Cox. Which is awful. Which is like an awful. You actually thing. did it. <laughs> you actually did it. You bitch. You actually did it. I know. It's awful. It's ingrained. It's ingrained. Uh, but anyway, this restaurant has a... So first of all, the restaurant has a brunch menu that is a one-page food menu and like seven-page drink menu. Which they, may tell you this is a turn-up spot. It's a turn-up spot. They um they have a live DJ for brunch. This is the Dallas version of BQE. And they sell... <laughs> they sell this is the part to me. They sell frozen drinks Inside Douce bottles. Like that's your that's your drink carafe, a Douce bottle. If you sell me drinks in a Douce bottle, I'm gonna assume you want me to act like a person who just drank Douce. Cause like that's that to me is your branding right there. Yes. Here's the question I have as someone with prior history in the hospitality and restaurant industry. Um, I would not drink that drink because how they properly clean a douce bottle. Yeah, with that a small neck. you use over and over the way the neck is. And I know how the washing machines at restaurants work. All they do is don't get in there. In a pandemic. COVID. It's co- it's like like as as my dear friend Jim Jones said, it's corona though. Like it's like in pandemic. So anyway, this is this is the this I want to bowl from Papa Dose. Just 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 get the swamp thing and call it a day. That's it. So this restaurant apparently there were a bunch of people there recently, I guess this weekend. And you know, again, live DJ. The food, the kitchen is backed up for like two hours, right? In a in a pandemic. In and of itself, unfortunately, us us people of hue, when we go to our restaurants for brunch, we know this might happen. We know it might happen. So we just we're prepared. But if you had me drinking for two hours and the DJ is playing, throw that ass in a circle, you should expect that my I'm throwing my drunk ass in a circle. I'm following directions. Also, I'm hungry. What else you want me to do? I'm trying to keep myself entertained. And it actually is to your benefit that I'm throwing that ass in a circle so that I'm not complaining about where my chicken and waffles is at, right? Right. Okay, so the owner apparently said something to a couple of tables of people a couple of times. And then he got fed up and decided that he was going to lecture the whole dining room, all the patrons, right, on... Working on his furniture about how you don't see people acting like that in white establishments. You absolutely do, but we'll get to that in a minute. Listen, you ain't been to SDK on Street? <laughs> Anywhere in New York. I have a picture in my phone right now of me sitting on furniture. Yeah, like, like any of the boozy brunch spots in New York. Are you kidding me? They, You absolutely stand on the furniture. And um, how he don't need their money. And blah blah blah. So of course it went. You don't need money in a pandemic. In a pandemic, when when all right, right, chief, back a house dab to get your kitchen running efficiently. But so it went viral, obviously. And now the conversation is weirdly divided between the people who clearly don't ever go outside and have a good time, who are like, "How you gonna go to a restaurant and stand on somebody's furniture?" To the other people who are sensible and are like, "If you create a day party environment." My nigga, 
we gon' day party. Like that's what that's what we gonna do. Now you can tell me to get off your furniture. That's fine. But you can have your staff tell me to get off your furniture, or you can actually even tell my table to leave. You do not lecture the entire dining room of patrons. I don't even back. think those are like. I didn't even look at that as the two groups that you could split this between. Okay, what did I, you? I only looked at this as dumbass niggas. That's okay. <laughs> With another dumbass nigga going off on all these black women trying to lecture them. When right. in fact, I'm like, black women are the ones that keep restaurants open, especially if they're going to be a black restaurant. Because like, if you want men to show up, then you need black women to be there. Yes. Um, and the other category was, this sounds like dumbass people trying to sound smart. That too. That. But- Sound polished, right? Because there's been a lot of Which assaults. What dumbass people love to do make make themselves seem like they nothing because they know they really dumbass niggas until they actually run up on actual smart ass people. And we'd be like, no, 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 you just ain't never been somewhere fun where the smart people actually are. Yeah, right? <laughs> the implication that this is ghetto behavior, right? Because I said that I was like, is a hundred percent a lie that people don't do this at white establishments because my ass has done it at white establishments for years. I stand on tables habitually is what I do. It's a thing. People know it about me. I enjoy it. It's fun. So it's like, but but somebody tried to quote retweet me and be like, you a grown ass woman. Where are you going? Where are you standing on front? Or why are you standing on people's furniture? Like trying to sum me. It's like because I'm drinking more and I'm eating and there's a DJ. The fuck am I going there for? I, like you think I'm going there to eat? I'm not- I, do that sh- I do that shit sober. Like, <laughs> the first thing I look for when I walk in, what the fuck can I stand on? I stood on my couch in my house when Snoop did Ain't No Fun on Versus. Like, this is just what the fuck I do. It's what I do. And this is how I know, like, y'all motherfuckers think y'all are so bougie and this and that, that you gotta, like, stay in this little lane. That tells me that you are zero fun to be outside with. Zero. They also don't understand that like tall people like to stand on things to be even taller than you. (laughs) Like not only do I stand on the couch, but you know how like there's a banquette and then there's like uh if there's like a little um ledge area above the banquette, if there's room on that bitch, I'ma stand like you're standing here, I'ma stand up here. Like that's that's what I do. Cause I wanna be able to see everything. And I want room. I want room to be able to move and do whatever I'm doing. Um, but yeah, in, so, in, yeah, look in 2011, I stood on the table with a microphone at tailgate for eight hours straight, <laughs> talking shit for eight hours straight. There are photos to prove it. Eight hours straight, I stood on the table in front of the tent and just talked shit for eight hours straight, like just to be even taller. So that must I was like a, seven six that table. day. That must have been a sturdy table, right? It was a picnic table. Mm-hmm. It was a picnic. I had a whole picnic table to myself. Yeah, that that, that people up there. It was a good time. But that's my thing. If there's something for me to stand on, I'm standing on it. It's more fun that way. I mean, so we are we are all veteran standers on a furniture. So what what was your take on all of this, Kia? Wait, 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 wait before you get that, we are a veteran group of people, and one of us drinks Hennessy and tequila shots mixed together. That's Kia. Um, <laughs> yeah. It ain't us. It ain't. Yeah. Look, me. Have ever died, okay? We have all <laughs> come out on the other side of through. Mm. Nobody has ever died is a hell of a standard. Yeah, that is. <laughs> that's 
That's a hell of a standard. So, Kia, what was your take? We know Karin's take. What was your take on this? It was bullshit. It's respectability um, politics, which is always connected to our desire to be in proximity to whiteness. And I'm sorry, but if you have a restaurant um, called uh, True Kitchen and Cocktails with a K and you have a DJ playing back that ass up, um, your proximity to white respectability has already been shot to It's already gone. So, um, and it left, it left when you brought them Duce bottles in. Right. Like, and we should be okay with that. We can have, if we're going to embrace our culture, we have embrace our culture. Like we should be fine with creating things that we enjoy. Now, if you don't want people to stand on your table, get them food so they can sit down and eat. If you don't want people to stand on your table, like have a conversation with those people, but To lecture the entire dining room, it actually reminded me of uh, what happened at my alma mater one time, Spelman College convocation. We're freshmen, sophomores sitting in there, and uh, the dean tells us, wonderful woman, real prim, prim and proper, she tells us not to eat chicken out of a box. Now, I'm just confused at this point because I'm like, what kind of box? I'm not even thinking Popeye's box. Right, right. She wanted us to if we are sitting in our dorm or in a public area of campus to have a plate to put our chicken in. And we are like mass confusion. Wait, BDT said this? No, not her. Um, Oh, I was about to say. Yeah, we don't have to call. You don't want to call out names. I understand. I I called out initials. (laughs) And she's not not on payroll anymore. (laughs) It was before her. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it's all respectability um, politics. And yeah. we have to question ourselves about, like, why why we're okay with that, why that is our standard. Well, that, and, that, and that was my problem, too, is that it kept, it kept being about twerking instead of about safety. So if it's about yeah. safety, like, I don't want you to fuck up my furniture, right? Like, I don't want, because that's what, that's what the white people will tell you is because they don't want your heel marks, women, mm-hmm. to puncture their furniture. Because that's what happens when you stand on that shit. Or they don't want you to fall and you sue their ass. Yeah. So if you had told me it's about safety, like simply, I don't want you being on my furniture, it's unsafe. That's one thing. But the fact that it kept being about twerking, I'm like, what's twerking got to do? But wait, with so that's so where so the paternalism comes in. But wait, you so what you telling me? Yeah. What you telling me? And my man would have been like, hey, sis, uh, it's a new restaurant. The floor is a little slick. You know, why you throwing that ass in a circle? I don't want you to slip and fall. You know, can can you just tone it down a little bit? If he said that, <laughs> that would have been better than yeah, why y'all over here shaking that ass. Yeah, well, I need you to get down because you're going to fuck my furniture up yeah. in a softer tone. Because that's what they'll say. You're going to mess my furniture up. Like I said, I've been told that. You're going to put holes in my furniture. You're going to mess my furniture up. I need you to get down. Okay, fine. But then they leave and I get back up. But Wait, I'm just saying, saying, like, did you get down or did you just slide your heels off? No, I would get down because I also recognize. But see, I've also worked in nightlife, so I also recognize it's a liability situation, mm-hmm. right? So if they tell me to get down, I'll get down until they're not looking, and then I get back up, and then I'll get back down, and then I'll get back up. So we play that game all night because I'm hard headed. But I'm just saying, in a restaurant, you can't necessarily do that. But if you tell me in a restaurant, like Karin and I were talking before we started taping about. Our friend Lauren's uh, have plenty brunch at a restaurant here in New York called the Cecil. The Cecil will try to tell us to sit down. And then after a certain point, they give up. Yeah. They just give up because it's a lost cause. You just it's a lost wasted cost. energy at that point. 
No, like we're, it's not gonna happen. Like it would literally be like playing whack a mole. Like you tell one sit down, somebody else gonna be up. You tell one sit down, somebody else go. So it's like at a certain point they just give up. But they, but it's, but they know like that's the energy of the space in the room, and they trust her to kind of keep it contained. But it's, but so I get it. I, and and that was the other thing. People were like y'all acting like she has a right to be on the furniture. I'm not saying that as a patron she had a right to be on the furniture. What I am saying is that it is not so unusual or so outrageous in in a in a brunch setting like this that he had a right to talk to them that way. And also, you never talk to a room full of your patrons that way. Are you fucking out of your mind? Like, clearly you don't want... And now you got all of black social media all across everything talking about your ass in, in this restaurant and knowing that your food takes two hours to come out and knowing that you said that people that you don't need people's money. Like, it is all bad. Well, Just you know the... Like, say the food was good? Like, do we even know anything about... We don't know about the food. We don't know nothing about the food. Was the say drink good? Like, no one... <laughs> we don't know about that either. We just know that people were clearly drunk. The, the, but the funniest thing I have seen missing from this conversation, besides all the shit we just added that I hadn't seen, mm-hmm. is that whoever my man is, I forgot his name. I think somewhere I saw his name. I would just be like, bruh, if you're the owner and you started this business and you wanted a brunch day... I guarantee you it's because you saw another restaurant online or in Dallas with successful brunch day where asses were shaking. Yeah. Drinks are being drinking, drunk, whatever the term verb is. Uh, they drunk them, got drunk. Cheese eggs were eating and yeah. like hollering yeah. was also going down. Yeah, so yeah. you based your business model on this. There's and a then when this happens, live you don't want this anymore. Right. You want, and that was my thing. You created, you created this environment. You could have told the DJ to turn on some goddamn no, no, no. whining. You could have saved money you and had a Spotify playlist. You could have put on Pandora. You could have put on Spotify. You could have hit that aux cord. You could have told the DJ when you kept, after the second time you had to tell somebody to get down, you could have told the DJ, bring that down. Or you could have asked the DJ to make an announcement. Like, there's so many other... Or you could have your staff handle it. Like, why are you the owner telling people to get out? Where's your front of house manager? Like, I just have so many questions about the way this whole thing went down. It was all just handled really poorly. That makes me wonder if, like, the manager knew what was going on and was okay with it, and the owner, like, pulled up and was like, oh, no, hell no. Stop, 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 y'all. This place... called cocktails with a K. It ain't no front of the house manager. It ain't no back of the house manager if you got to wait two hours. It's that one nigga trying to do everything because he don't know how restaurants work. He ain't got a GM. He ain't got a sous chef. He ain't got an expo. He ain't got none of the stuff you need to make a, a proper restaurant work correctly. It's just him and a black shirt and some black slacks and some non-slip shoes he got from Walmart. That's the way it is. It's possible. That's very possible. Yeah. It's a shame, though. So, like, black business owners, stop treating your customers <clears throat> like you're doing them a favor, please. Oh, yes. Please. I don't know when that got sexy. Like, that's not okay. That's not okay. That's not okay. Ever. Um. Well, God bless uh, True Kitchen and Cocktails. Is it true or is it true? Like, <laughs> how was he promoting it? That's what I want to know. I don't how, even... 
How many U's are in true? <laughs> is it like a two chains true or like true or false true? Which one is it? Not to throw my ass in a circle, I'm going to assume it's true, false, true. Okay. But like you said, easily. He could have easily told DJ to go to the like Anita Baker mix and it would totally change the vibe. But when you like throw that ass in a circle around black women, mm-hmm. certain songs certain songs evoke emotion out of black women. Yeah. Throw that ass in a circle, it's top three. <laughs> it just it's tribal. It's tribal. It is. Mm-hmm. And the DJ knew it. That's the other thing. You should have gone to the DJ first. Yeah. Because the DJ knows what they're doing. They know what and they're the, playing. They know what the reaction is going to be. And it's not even like a full circle y'all do when that song come on. It's, it's a complete circumference. Like, y'all literally follow the directions of the song. Like, it's like... You're very familiar. Yeah, it's like an orbit. Um, <laughs> you know, we talked about this in the earlier episodes when I was talking about how I miss brunch. This These are the things I was talking about. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Moving on. Um, so one of the highlights for me as a Gen Xer of 2020 is the fact that on this weekend past, I got to see Mike Tyson and Roy Jones in the ring together in real time. It was, I just... The fight we never thought we'd ever see. I never thought I would see Tyson in the ring again, period. Like, it just, my heart, it was just, oh, my God. I can't even really explain what it meant. Um, I'm, I wish, I don't know if it would have happened under normal circumstances because it was a charity uh, exhibition or whatever, but that would have been a fight weekend. I would have flown to oh. wherever the fuck uh-huh. for. Vegas would have oh, been stupid. my God. Yeah. Vegas, Vegas would have been like Essence Fest. It would have, yes, yes. It would have. I would have been on. I would have found me an MCM suit. I would have my hair done. Child, listen. I would have been outside the whole. Y'all would not have been able to. Let, have you seen Naima? She was over somewhere. I, listen, <laughs> who that would have been? That would have been a great weekend. Wow. Anyway, um, I'm I'm offended because I'm seeing people say that the fight was boring. Oh, she was amazing. Expected more, and I'm like. These niggas are 51 and 54. She Mike Tyson 80. hasn't been in the ring in 15 years, years. And he is still at his fighting weight. Like that, and it was and it was an exhibition, so it didn't go to full rounds. And and Tyson was he was pulling punches. Like he he was Roy was locking him up, but he was intense, he wasn't trying to hurt Roy for real. Oh, he he could have went eight more rounds. Like he was not yeah, tired. He was not tired at all. And it's like Roy was, but he wasn't. Roy, Roy, like Roy, them body shots caught up to Roy. That nigga winded. Um, but like, I, I just, I thought it was incredible, and I see all these other people like, oh, that wasn't no fight, and I'm like, let y'all, y'all can't even do what y'all could do five years ago. The fuck you think this is? But like, Karen, you know, as our resident man here, um, (laughs) I was happy to be here. What and your and our resident sports person? Um, what were your thoughts on this? Because I was excited. Look, I, I love me was like this the is night, the night as a whole was amazing, and I like when I wrote about, it, I was like this was a top five Twitter moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because this was less they, about yeah, but this was less about Tyson and Roy to me just because 
the the Nate Robinson jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hadn't laughed that hard in years because they just kept coming in the replays and Snoop commentating us through Nate Robinson getting the fuck knocked out of him three right. times. Like, rewatch it. I went back and rewatched the whole fight again. It's on YouTube yesterday. That man, that last knockout slid across the ring on his nose. I have never seen anything like that. Like, that was the greatest ass whooping. I That's a top five Nate, ass whooping. I wonder why Nate did it. Because Nate's stupid. And Nate like, doesn't what? have friends. And it, all these rappers. How did that even come to be? How would it have, what would it have benefited him? Nate called him out. Like, the wow. backstory is that the white dude, this was only the white dude's second fight. He's like this YouTube guy. Nate called him out because Nate wanted to fight. As you can see, it was Nate's first fight. But all these rappers and entertainers are ball players. They're bagging up Nate. Like, like no, nah, why people laughing at him? You fell down, get back up. I'm like, this isn't support. Support is telling this man not to get his Stay black down. ass in the ring well, from the beginning. So he don't look stupid. Right. Support ain't showing up after he looks stupid. Where was the no man in his camp instead of everybody being a yes man? Because from here on out, I don't, I don't care how strong you are, how much you lift, Nate Robinson. You got your ass whooped by this white ass, ass in one of the most racial years in American history. You can't go out like <laughs> no, that. No, he set us all back. Like, he got to figure that out because we, we can't. Like, that hurt all of us. The man, the man literally the day before the fight, Posted so, in his and Nate Robinson jersey and was like, I'm gonna whoop your ass tomorrow. Yeah, that Bam. that hurt that hurt us Bam. all. Bam. Is Nate okay? Because like he can't be. With what we know about concussions and stuff, like and he, posted, and he posted the picture in Nate's Knicks jersey, which is like the Knicks take enough L's. We don't we don't need that. New York don't need that right now. We just don't. Like, yeah, it's not. That wasn't that. I don't. I really don't know what Nate was thinking. Basketball, because it didn't look like he trained for this. Basketball does not transfer to boxing directly. No, like, he, he used to be a football player. So. Oh, okay. Now football does. That yeah, is- like he he was the starting cornerback at Washington. Um, mm-hmm. and under he was really really good. Like he had a shot to play the NFL, but he turned it down for basketball. So mm-hmm. like he's always been a great athlete and stocky. He's strong. He got speed, as you can see. It was just like, fam. In the words of Snoop, there's two things in life you can't play with. Boxing and this pimping. (laughs) (laughs) He tried to play with boxing. And and boxing is not... I remember doing a story in in South Philly like five, six years ago. And if you know anything about South Philly or Rocky or whatever, like South Philly is a boxing hub. Like that's what they do. And I went to watch this dude. I was doing a story on trains. And this little musty gym upstairs on this like corner somewhere. It was rickety. It was old. But just 45 minutes into seeing a real professional boxer train, you would just be like, nah, like this ain't no shit to fuck well, around. Like they will, Snoop, they will hurt you. Either Snoop or somebody else was saying that um, at the beginning of the Tyson and Jones fight that that people don't realize how tiring boxing is, right? Like yeah, you have footwork and you have speed, but when you wonder how, like, even, like, just hugging somebody up like that really wears them down or how those body blows take stuff out of you, because from our point of view, if you're not getting knocked out, if you're not getting hits to the face and stuff, it doesn't look that crazy. Like, that jab to your side looks Ooh. like, oh, I could take that. You know what I mean? You can't. And I think you that's can't. why people... 
I think that's why people thought that it was a lackluster fight. Like, I wasn't expecting Tyson to come in there and drop Roy in the second round like it was motherfucking 89. Like, I wasn't expecting that. Um, but I thought that all things considered, I still would not have wanted to get in, in, the, in the ring with Mike under any circumstances at any age because he's still fucking Mike Tyson. As Snoop also said, Snoop being, I need Snoop to commentate for everything. all boxing, boxing matches from here on out. Like, host no, They should have had Snoop on CNN with John King Yo. Two, uh, three weeks ago when we was waiting for them elections. To yeah, no, for real. Because but Snoop was just like, come on, Roy! Get in, get in and get out, Roy! Look at my uncles up there. Okay, then, Roy! Shit, Roy! I was like, yo, I need him for everything. But he was like, Mike is Mike. No matter the day, he said any day, any night. Mike, and that's the thing. Mike Tyson is motherfucking Mike Tyson. And these kids don't realize it because they didn't see it. Like literally, you could not a Mike Tyson fight. You could not. You could not turn around to get a to get a drink. Like that shit would be over. I think I was in my twenties before I realized that all boxing matches didn't end in a knockout. Like what do you like? How we how we still going more rounds? How this ain't over yet? Like I had never seen a fight go ten rounds until I was damn near grown. So because that was Tyson, what he won like what forty four out of what forty eight fights in a knockout, shit like that. That's insane. The man's a fucking animal. So he's in now. You know he's been in therapy. He smokes a lot of weed. He's done some introspection. He's done some work on himself. He and lost a hundred pounds. He lost a hundred pounds. And you could really see that Mike was on his elder statesman shit at the end when, you know, the, the announcer was like, do you think you won? And he was like, yeah, but I'm okay with the draw. And I was like, yeah, that, 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 what? Mike would never say that. Mike would never say that. Like, I was like, he was like, he met, and then with Roy, he was like, no, but you did your thing. Like, he reached across it. I was like, sportsmanship? But no. Roy, Roy gave us one of the greatest quotes of all time. I wear draws. I don't do draws. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I wear draws. I don't do draws. This is crazy. But yo. and one of the greatest things a human being has ever said. Mike was even like, it's bigger than a championship. It's about we're humanitarian. Human- That's what humanitarian. I'm on now. That's what I'm on now. I was like, yo, wow. Like, These kids wow. don't realize this is the man who There's beat somebody, somebody in the ring. No, who beat somebody in the ring and they interviewed him and he said, I want to eat his children all praise to Allah and walked yeah. out. But also, who bit a man's actual ear twice. off? Twice. He bit it twice. Like, he did that. That was not a movie. That's something he actually did. Like, I just, I, well, first of all, I'm such a fan of Mike. I'm such a fan of Mike having been of age during his prom and having seen him during his prom, but also his post-professional growth is fascinating to me. His one-man show, him being able to, fantastic. The fact that Mike, who was literally like synonymous with like, fear like you know somebody just whooping your ass mercilessly has a sense of humor about himself <clears throat> he is probably the person I would have thought Lee, like you know he's a kid from Brook- like Brooklyn Brooklyn mm-hmm. like he is he is every he's every traditional thing you've ever heard about black men from Brooklyn right and like this in like this compact package with a lot of power and the fact that he's able to have a sense of humor about himself 
And um, he always was intelligent during interviews. He just used to hate because interviewers didn't really give him the room to show it. They used to ask him stupid questions. But um, he was also he was always he was always very thoughtful about about his sport and about his craft. And um, now he's able to expound on that more, you know, with the podcast and the way he's gotten into the cannabis industry and just everything about him fascinates me. And I feel like I hope that people who haven't paid attention to this art go back and do so because I think Tyson is a, a fascinating figure. Period. Tia, what were you drinking as you watched the fight? <laughs> Did you bring your your cocktail, your famous cocktail out? It was just tequila, tequila with a little bit of lime. I actually have not had Hennessy all quarantine. Are you sick? Are you okay? Do we need to send help? I've been drinking bourbon instead. So this is this is in my life, right? This is Wednesday service. We can take up an offering. You know? <laughs> no, no, she's still drinking brown. Yeah. Um, Cognac a little different though. Did y'all did y'all pay for the fight? Oh hell no. I did. And I never pay for fights, but I paid for this one. And I tuned in and I was like, did I just pay $50 for a Wiz Khalifa concert? Like, what is going on here? It was like, I mean, $50 wasn't bad for the fight. Um, I did not pay for it. I usually don't watch fights at my house. I usually go to other people's houses and watch fights. So I wasn't even like, what to do, how to do. I never paid for anything pay-per-view in my life. But Twitter came through with the bootleg links. So I bootlegged it because I was like, I'm not paying for this fight. But I wouldn't have been mad if I had. It was worth it. It was worth it for the nostalgia element alone. Yeah. I feel it like. was worth it to watch Nate Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> you know Why? what? The, the Nate knockout reminded me of the night. Wait, that which, which knockout? Reminded me the night that Pacquiao, that Pacquiao got knocked and out. Marquez, when Marquez knocked out Pacquiao, and I yeah. thought Pacquiao died. Well, all the, I saw a lot of the same memes they had the night with that December. Pacquiao With December joint, one of the sleep mattress joints. Um, they did they a challenge. The, the challenge, yep. They brought it back out. And I was like, oh, look at Because that was see, one of my favorite nights on Black Twitter. Did you see my man who did the Nate Robinson challenge on the escalator? That was the one. No, that was the one. Like he went all the way up the escalator with a mask on. Like I was like, that is dedication. That is dedication to your craft. I gotta, I gotta go find that one. I did not see that one. I did not see that one. Um, all right. We before we get into the reason why we have Kia here. Um, oh, we also wanted to announce. Actually, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you. You're a Kamala champion. I mean, we're all Kamala champions, but you're a Kamala champion, Karin. Um, we had some, we've been watching appointments coming out of the White House. They've been quickly filling, uh, their transitional staff and some of their key cabinet positions and official White House staff. And I think it's, it's been so long since we saw this happen so efficiently that it almost feels startling. <laughs> like, oh my God, they're appointing actual people to actual jobs who have actual experience in these actual roles. And aside from... The Bernie and Yang. Where do all these Yang people come from, by the way? That's a different conversation. But I don't even remember them being here during the primary. <laughs> no, I I feel like I see more people talking about Andrew Yang now than we did in the actual primary. Because Andrew Yang has gone on a media tour to keep his name relevant. The like, same way that Mayor Pete did when he was on Fox News, light them on fire. 
Yeah. Um, like they kept their they, names out there, even they, though they shit is um, and they're almost they're more annoying than the bros actually. But um, and then there are some no that are hybrid. They're hybrid Bernie Andrew people, which is even my thing is if you're if your candidate lost their um, if your candidate lost their election, if your candidate dropped out before the primaries, and we are no longer in an election season, um, and your candidate is currently not holding a senior office, if you have them in your bios. And your handles, I'm treating you like I treat a Barb's, like I treat a Beehive member, like I treat somebody from the Navy. You're a stan. You're a stan. Like, that's it. You're a stan. Um, but anyway, what was I about to say? Oh, so now, so aside from them criticizing every appointment for whatever reason, um, which is weird, because, like, it still affects you, so why? But whatever. Um you there was an announcement today that I wanted or yesterday that I, I wanted to let you share about the, the communications team from the White House. Who me? Yeah. You Why probably, you that to me? Because I thought you wanted to champion like the highlight the, the sister. Oh yeah, look, man, this I, I, sw- I thought that was like last week. Oh. <laughs> it's only it's only Monday. <laughs> oh, I was just um and I did some digging, had some conversations with some people in their world. Uh, to figure out like some back stuff that I'll mention at a later time because that's another conversation. Okay. But it was refreshing to see um, not only just black women but women in general, mm. um, because I think women should pretty much be in charge of everything. So, so the time team for the White House is all women. Yeah, but just oh, compared to their the the most memorable picture I will ever have of the Trump administration was, Mm -hmm. I'm sure y'all probably seen this picture in passing, was when they did the Obama interns and the Trump interns. Yes. And that picture in itself, like, to me, encompasses everything that went to shit. So, and that was the first thing I thought about when they had made the announcement, and I was like, this shit is gonna look like the Obama White House did, yep. where it was just actually people that all wasn't white and privileged yeah. and, and male. underqualified yep. and mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, now like actual shit can get done, like filling a cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or like when the president is giving his in a, in a press briefing and he makes an announcement that, yes, he's been, he's accepted. An offer from the New York Yankees threw out the first pitch, and the staff is like, "That ain't on his schedule." <laughs> he just made that up. And right. We don't even know anybody from the Yankees. What is <laughs> like this? This actually happened. Right. So we don't have to live in that type of world, you know. Somebody and might we like have like a whole. There's a director of comms. There's a there's a director for the the first lady for the vice president. There's a there's a there's a um. A junior, not a junior director, but uh, you know, like there's there's levels. Like it's a whole complete. Like we're gonna have press briefings again, like real ones. Like, like we had briefing forever that we before twenty sixteen. Yeah, that we have not had since Sean Spicer. Like for real, and even and though Sean like, Spicer was a piece of shit. Yes, correct. Yes. But my God, compared to 
Kaylee, Kayla, whatever she is. We really thought he was the worst at the time. We thought it couldn't get any worse than Sean Spicer. This, like, this woman, they asked her a question, and she said, that's a question for the White House to answer. You are the White House. You are the mouthpiece of the White House. It's craziness. Or, or your yeah, job yeah, is, is the White House gives you all the answers, and, and then you tell the world. And if somebody asks you a question, you speak for the White House. That is your job. Somebody asked her about um, uh, a discrepancy in in COVID numbers, and she said the president is working with different numbers. What the fuck does that? What does that mean? Like, I just I'm so excited about not getting those answers anymore. Which also, by the way, Joe Biden got his first uh, presidential briefing today. Hallelujah. Amen. And we know he'll read it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm just. Might even ask questions during yeah. the thing, you know, like. No, here, here's the thing, y'all, y'all missing. Uh, if y'all have, been, y'all, I'm, y'all stay engaged. Y'all watch CNN, MSNBC. Have y'all seen Christopher Christopher Coons from the state of Delaware? Um, we used to have meetings with him uh, when I was on the editorial board in Delaware, and I'll never forget we had a meeting that ran 15 minutes late because he was coming straight from the train because he was coming straight from DC, and Coons walked in with the most disheveled look on his face. And the first thing he said was, Karn, I already know what you're going to say. He had just left the meeting, and he told us, just straight up, he was like, his press briefings have to be on one sheet of paper, only on one side, because anything more than that, he he won't pay attention. And he won't even read that. Like This just had to be like an eight and like 20-point font. Yes. The man won't like, oh my God. Oh my God. And this was like I can't early, believe that was this was like beginning of 2017. Yeah. And we were like, wait, what? Did, it, didn't, that, he that, abandon, that, didn't he abandon his daily briefings by like spring? Probably. Yeah. It all runs together. It all runs together. Oh my God. Um competence. But the reason we're here. But the reason we're here. Yes. Um, so we have Kia with us because, you know, last week was Thanksgiving and we were all encouraged to uh, do Thanksgiving differently, not spend, you know, not get the whole family together um, because our numbers are on a rapid and, and scary rise. And I'm actually scared to see the numbers that start coming out this week towards yeah. the end of the week that are from last week because niggas don't listen. And um, white people leaders. Uh, white people. I mean, and when I say niggas, I mean niggas. we mean everybody. <laughs> I mean everybody. Like it, it, niggas can be a transracial word for all those listening, wondering what do we mean. When I say niggas, I'm talking about. I can be talking about eating on people. I can be talking about places, things, objects. Um, it's a noun. Niggas is a noun. Noun. Niggas is a noun. I'm, I could be talking about. I could be talking about some clothes and some niggas. Um. So yes, niggas. These niggas, niggas don't fit no more. <laughs> yes. yes. Right. So niggas don't listen, meaning everybody. And um. So the numbers are gonna be scary, but but we're now going into the Christmas season. Um. Numbers are spiking again. You know, there had been a hope. I think for a lot of people that. You know, there was a time where we used to be like, well, in 2021, we're going to do... And 2021 is, like, here. And clearly, we're not going to do anything different. Um, even as, you know, vaccines are on the horizon, even as 
we're, we've gotten Trump out of office prayerfully because until until January motherfucking twentieth at twelve o'clock, we we gotta we gotta we gotta be prepared for some fuck some more fuck shit. Yeah. Um, Kia, I wanted I wanted you to join us because so I, you know I'm forty four. My generation is still we're still pretty we still kind of stayed in the church traditionally, but. Starting, I would say, like under 40, there was a migration of black millennials like leaving the church um, because it wasn't giving them what they needed. But I feel like 2020 is a year where everybody needs a, a, you needed something bigger than yourself, but B, where just traditional, I'm going to pray about it wasn't enough. Like, I'm, I'm a deeply spiritual person and praying over this didn't feel sufficient because I knew that it didn't seem fair to say God protect my family from something like, do you see what I'm saying? Like it's not, it's indiscriminate. Right. And and it implies that God isn't protecting somebody else's family. So even with that, like I was even struggling in how to pray and, um, and what to pray for. So, um, and, and feeling guilty that like I had a really good year. Mm. Other people were, not having a good year but as we're coming into like the holiday season and and 21 is still unknown i wanted to ask you about what what in your opinion how how can we look to faith at this is an unprecedented time an unprecedented reality and and traditional just like you know let me pray about it and sit it down may not work not to mention we're still fighting for black lives we're still fighting for trans lives and still fighting for marginalized people. What is what does a modern faith look like right now? That's a great question. And what's funny is I think um, the times that we are going through now look more like biblical times than I've ever saw. Like it feels like we are in exodus with the plagues and every Wait, day. Why I'm amazed that the Christian evangelical right is ignoring this shit. Because I'm like, there was ever anything that would send you to your prayer closet, I would think it would be this. Oh, nigga, it's revelations out here. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if if I, this is what the end times looked like when so, super churchy went to the Halloween haunted houses where they do the heaven and hell. This is what hell looked like in those (laughs) evangelical haunted houses. Try to go to hallelujah night. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so I think what what has worked for me is to look back on those stories and to see how they navigate it. So they prayed during those stories, but they didn't pray just for deliverance. There was action that came through that prayer. Right. So what has helped me navigate these times is not like just praying, protect my family. I'm not going to lie. That has been part of it. But as someone who has had a good year, how can I be a part of the solution? Like, right. what can I do to make this easier on my neighbor, on um, as, as a whole, as a society? Like, I think uh, if we move small, it's easier because it can become overwhelming when you look at, like, the shit show that we're in. But right. what do you have the power to do, like, right now in your little circle? Because at the end of the day, the Bible, Old and New Testament, is about one thing, and that's about community. So yeah. it's about finding your people and taking care of those people in a way that reflects God's love and liberation. 
Mm. So, and it's different because we can't go to church and we can't hug. One of the hardest things I think about losing people this year has been, we can't gather. Like funerals are healing, repasts are healing. Like yeah. that's go and we get our hugs. And we have to reimagine that that looks differently. And, and worship as fellowship is um, very fulfilling. Like I, I miss my church family. I miss being able to just like go, like I was thinking about New Year's Eve and I was like, I don't want to do watch night online. That's what's that? That's no fun. You know what I mean? It's just, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. So, but what we also know is that we built digital communities. Like we connected digitally. Yes. And, um, for my birthday, when I was watching the fight, drinking my tequila, Jennifer, who uh, she's in Chicago, like we met on Twitter, picked her up from the airport. She stayed at my house, one of my closest friends. So like she sent me a gift for my birthday. And I think it's those little things. I think we have to reimagine what our community looks like now right. and really lean in. And I'm not talking about like broad Twitter communities, but who are your people and right. how can you connect with them in a way that is safe? And that may be like, Zoom has been my church for a long time. It's where I can go. I can feel love. I feel liberated. I'm affirmed. Like, and that is all what the presence of God is to me. Like, it's all of those things. And that happens at my brunch table. So right. if I can't get with my people, how can I recreate that in a space that, it, that works for all of us? That um, keeps us safe and still gives us a piece of what we need in the meantime. I love that. Um, and and what would you say? Well, before I ask the next question, Karin, do you have any response to that? No, like, and it was she said something, and what I thought about is because, and you mentioned this too before about like I too has had a good year mm. and a bad time, right? Mm -hmm. And I think like for those of us who have, we it's some type of guilt or remorse with that, and then like I had to check myself to keep everything in balance, and I was like, well. I've known some people who had some really, really, a uh, really, really shitty 2020. I, mm -hmm. you know, thank God I am not one of those people, but I'm like 2007, 2011, 2000, right, right, right. 2013 mm. were almost took me out of here. You had some down and years. People yeah. I knew were having outstanding years. And it's yeah, like, right. you never know when yours is going to come. That's so true. celebrate the wins, but don't get too high when things are high. And then when stuff is bad, don't let it get too low. Just roll with the flow. Yeah. Um, but also, like, to take it scripturally, like, this reminds me of Exodus, mm -hmm. where a whole bunch of people was walking around in the wilderness, and they couldn't yeah. get to where they was going because they wouldn't do what was necessary at the moment. Mm -hmm. We ain't been able to get out this motherfucking pandemic. Yeah. Motherfuckers don't want to listen. They want to go to true, and they don't want to wear their masks. <laughs> so we're in longer than we should be. Right. Like a, huh. like a religion that so many of us believe in, where we're always just like, how the hell did they walk around for 40 years and was complaining? It's like we are doing the exact thing right, right. now. Or or if you want to bring it even more modern, which um which I remember where yeah, with bird bites when people were like, all of us was watching yeah. Netflix, like, why y'all stupid asses going outside and we doing the same shit? Yeah, yeah, literally. Um so, Kia, my other question, but you're right, Karen, about us having had down years when other people were having up years or expansion years um, or what have you. And, and I guess that could also speak to there being a calling for you, a way that you can be used in this yeah. time. Um, 
So Kia, what would you say to people who are kind of losing faith? Like, and, and this is usually a time of year where people can kind of find touchstones with their faith again, because they're around family or, you know, they, they go to like that one of two services they go to per year, you know, like, or they're around the CME Christians, the Christmas Mother Day <laughs> Easter. Yep. Yep. Them Christians. Um, what would you say to people who feel a little lost and disconnected from faith altogether right now? I think so. During my hard years, I tried to lose faith. Like I was at, actively like, you know what? This shit ain't working. I'm good. <laughs> right. But one thing that happened is I went inside to figure out who God was to me and how God operated in my life. And that is, um, so it was away from the church. I will say like, I grew up in church. So I had, I bring with me a lot of good and bad knowledge to like me re-exploring my faith. But I think uh, now is a really good opportunity to sit with yourself and figure out like what faith works, looks like to you and what works mm -hmm. for you. Because if faith isn't practical, if it's not fulfilling, if it's not, uh, in inspiring you and um, and making you better for your community, then that's not a faith that works well in your life. It has to be yours. It can't be something that the church holds or that your pastor holds or that your great granny holds. Mm -hmm. It has to be your own. And it may not look like how they practice. You may be like me where you pull bits and pieces, but then there's this other part that looks completely different. Like, I didn't grow up in a household that likes candles, but I have candles around my house. Like I didn't grow up in a household that called on ancestors, but I understand like now the power and like that affirms me. So wow. it's, this is a really good opportunity to figure out what you need to be fulfilled and grounded as everything is being, that we know is being like shaken loose and chaotic. Like yeah. what grounds you in the midst of all this chaotic energy, find that and just pull, uh, pull into that and like really, um, cement yourself in whatever that is. I love that. I think, and I think that's great advice just in general, even if you don't consider, consider yourself a person of traditional faith to find yeah. that grounding. And I, and I think that's actually been like, I've said this, I said this here before, but not to get really, you know, too heavy on the spiritual side, but this really is, um, 2020 really is a transformative year, not just in terms of the, the loss and, and the, you know, the, the pandemic, et cetera, but it's been revelatory. Um, there have been, I think conversations that are being had that weren't being had before, you know, people being exposed, lights being turned on. It's been, it's been very illuminating. And I do think, I think this, there's a little bit of power in this year. Mm -hmm. So I do think that's a, that's a great bit of insight is that as we go in towards the end of the year, like some kind of eclipse started today that my astrologer, my astrologer told me about, and I don't remember what he told me it's supposed to mean, but I know that we're we're still in a period through the end of the year where you know there there's some things that can happen. So that's yeah, like that's something positive has to come from this. And yeah. like from a historical standpoint, the only thing I can literally call 2020's cousins is the 60s. 
68. Like, I, don't, I don't care what no one says. The mm-hmm. 60s. This is our 68. Historical decade in American history. Like, there's never been a decade where more shit popped right. off. Like, we right. had multiple presidents die. Like, it was yeah. shot at multiple assassinations of different people. Um, it, it, it's just not limited to the civil rights movement, right? Mm-hmm. And now, if you think about everything that's happened in 2020, like we were talking a couple ep- episodes ago, like we forgot about Kobe was this year. Like, right. I, I write about race and social issues and sports for a living. I forgot Ahmaud Arbery happened this year. And that was like the first one that lit everything on fire. And it's just been so much since then. And then you add a global pandemic mm-hmm. <laughs> and rioting in the streets. And like here in Chicago, I was riding down the street a couple of weeks ago and I passed a Verizon store. And I literally was like, oh shit, I forgot what this strip of stores looks like not boarded up because they had been boarded. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, shit, that is. I forgot to look like this. Right. Because they had been putting the boards up and taking them down and putting them back up from the middle of summer all the way to two weeks after the election. Mm -hmm. And now everything's safe and like all the boards are down. And it was just like, I remember in the summer going to Walgreens when Trump sent the damn military here and it was a dude sitting in a tank Mm -hmm. in the CVS parking lot just because they wanted to have military people at the corner of Canal and Roosevelt in Chicago in the South Loop. And I was just like, for what, dog? I just came to get some (laughs) Q-tips. Like, why? One thing I've wrestled with this year is like, where, when does God intervene? Like we have, everything has been stripped open. We see all of the problems and how tragic like our society is from healthcare to racism and everything in between. So like, why doesn't God step out the sky and fix this? Like, right. and one thing that history has taught me is like, that's just not going to happen. It didn't happen with the Holocaust. It didn't happen with slavery. It didn't happen in the sixties, but you know what? people saw the problems and they stepped up and they did the work in the name of God. Right. And I, that's what it falls on us, particularly those who were having good years and who have the capacity to step mm-hmm. up and to start taking the steps to fix these problems long-term. Because if we don't do that work, it doesn't get done. So like prayer is give me the strength to make this happen, to make my little right. part of this happen so that it gets better. Prayer is wisdom to make the right decision um, so that you're building a better community for others. And just being in the right place at the right time and knowing that you are the hands and feet of God. So if you don't do it, it won't get done. And I think that is something that we still struggle with is like somebody should do something. But like. We are the somebodies. Exactly. We'd be like, somebody should do something. And it's like, no, what at some point somebody has to raise their hand and be that somebody to do something. I, but You know what I should, I like, I want to bring up, because I'm sure we're getting know. close to the end, if someone's we thinking are. about this, for the, for the, uh, for the, the people of our generation who also grew up in church, like, a, a trivia question that is comical. 
Is America in 2020? Have we reached Sodom and Gomorrah levels of disgust no. and, and, and tragicness yet? Oh, I love that you asked that question. Because, because like, I feel like some bitches might turn into pillars of Lowry's anytime. <laughs> <laughs> because in Jewish tradition, Sodom and Gomorrah is not even, we try to make it about homosexuality. It's not. Uh, it's, it's about rape. About that. It is about not being hospitable. It's oh, about, yeah. Jewish tradition is about not being hospitable, but even the even the Sodom part is about rape more than it is about homosexuality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But so, you're right. It's about not being hospitable. It's yeah. also about being a terrible father because if you read that the too. text, my man threw his daughter out. Was like, he was like, no, yo, I got to make sure these angels yeah. is good. But he was like, y'all, y'all, y'all don't want to yeah. run a train on my daughter? And it was <laughs> yeah. like, nah, we good. And I was like, fam, did you just set your daughter right. out like that? I mean, right. but women were property. So, like, he would sacrifice the his property over the life of a man. Yeah. And, and I think, Kia, you are actually, I think, the person who, don't tweeted, like who tweeted about this a few years ago about the fact that Sodom and Gomorrah was actually about hospitality and, and you couldn't wait to see like the look on some people's faces when they get to heaven and Jesus is like, so actually this scripture right here. <laughs> right. And we aren't being hospitable when we refuse to wear a mask, when we refuse to stay home. Like I saw a whole thread today about they need to find out what's happening in Atlanta because we're going to the clubs and we are dying. Yeah, your dumb 20 at 20 year old ass may not be dying, but you're going home to your grandmama. Right. You're right. going home to someone who has a compromised immune system. Right. So like, all of that is inhospitable. That word that I was trying hospitable. to say. Hospitable. Yeah. And failed miserably. <laughs> uh, right. Like, uh, I'm not listen, I had a I had a lung infection a couple of years ago. I'm out here. I still got my inhaler. I ain't playing with you. I'm in I'm in the house. Yeah. Like a refrigerator. Yeah, people don't really understand when I when I say that. Um, because I'm I'm going to South Carolina tomorrow, and I was gonna try to get up with a friend of mine, and we were talking on Thanksgiving night, late Thanksgiving night, and they said they had been out to the club, and I was like, oh, yep. well, <laughs> I guess I'm gonna see you towards the end of my trip when you have a chance to take a test after you've had a chance for that to incubate. And they were really kind of shocked. And they were like, no, Bobby, I don't even really go out like that. It's not like I was up in nobody's face. I was like, nah, fam, I can't. I can't. Because it's not even just about you. It's like the people you were around, who have they been around? And who have those people been around? And who have those? You know what I mean? It's like it's a whole... Yeah. I was talking to my mom, and this may be a really bad metaphor. Y'all tell me if it is or not. But, like, interacting with people is basically like having sex with them. If you have them on a mask, that's protected sex. Right. If don't it's not protected exactly and like you are really that intimate with people and it is it like it i would rather get chlamydia these days than uh covid at it's least i know shot. what's gonna happen with chlamydia you know shot you, shot. you can get a shot and i think that's the other thing is that we don't have we still don't know the long-term effects like there are people look carton has a turn there are still people dealing with after effects who had COVID months ago. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't wanna be here anymore. It's, <laughs> we should, should, should just play, play, the, play the music. Play, play the music. Play the music. I d I don't I wanna go home. <laughs> so Karin has left us. Karin's opted out. 
My bad. My bad. Okay. But you're right. At least you can get a shot. But Karen, you do understand the point. Though. She said, Kia said, y'all out here raw dogging this COVID, y'all. And she is upset. Okay? <laughs> she said, put a dental dam on and put on a mask. Boom. And keep I don't, I don't, hey, hey guys, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. No. I'm uncomfortable. This is I'm a pineapple. That's what my son does whenever I tell him that analogy. Oh, He's oh, like, oh. yeah, I'm tired of this. No, we're not having this discussion. We're I good. Get, I get it though. There is, um, all y'all motherfuckers who be out there talking about soul ties and whatnot, but, but, but don't don't feel like people need to have masks on. Uh, yeah. I listen, but at the same time, since you jumped on the soul ties thing, let's say I just think people who believe in soul ties are bad at sex. That's just I think they use that to cover themselves. I want to talk about soul ties. I just I, I just think they use that to cover themselves. I think, I think that they have expectations of their partner that they are not willing to communicate and they think that sex will keep their partner in a way that just having honest conversations about like what you're doing in your relationship is much more beneficial like you're not tied to them because of the sex you're tied to them because you had unreasonable expectations or they were a liar or something happened and it went wrong that is deeper deeper than i think it's way deeper and more complicated than that or you want to shame women because you stroke trash. That's part of that too. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna come. Okay, so Keo, we're gonna bring you back at some point, probably in the New Year, to have a conversation about soul no, ties. We, we need to give her and, some time because she's been acting up. And about and about well, and about how the church actually. I do want to have a conversation real about how the church fucks up our um, whole relationship with sexual with sex. Yes. Period. Yes. So we're gonna have that conversation in the New Year. But for now, I know we run way over. And I'm surprised Rob hasn't texted me to tell me that yet. But we're gonna wrap it up for now. Um, Tia, where, Tia, where can where can everybody find you? <laughs> I am on all social media at Kia Speaks. My website is kiaspeaksalso.com. Please hit me up, ask me questions. I'm here. We yeah, aren't gonna yeah. talk about STDs though. <laughs> <laughs> um, Karen. Parting words for the people. Oh, we didn't even get into Charlemagne this week. We'll do that next week. Parting words for the people. Um, fuck Van Jones. Fuck Mark Lamont Hill. Still fuck Van Jones, for that's, sure. That's, that's, I don't those even are know my what parting words forever. We that's still... What still, they always do. What they always do. Um, we still also want to encourage you to not... Give Sean King your money or attention. Don't give your man. Don't give. Don't give that money. That white man your money. Don't do it. Do want to encourage you to still give your money to Asif and and Warnock in Georgia. Um, all right, y'all. That's it. We will see Kia. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. We will have you back, and we will see y'all next week.